from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odeschalette, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Welcome to A Baha'i Perspective. I recorded an interview with Faye Dupra on November 18, 2019. Faye is a theater and visual artist who produces original touring puppet shows for adult and family audiences. Her most recent effort is a series of puppet productions called Cozy Corner, which features a puppet by the name of Rory that faces new life challenges in each episode. We talk about Faye's background in puppetry and Cozy Corner in particular. I started the interview by asking Faye where she grew up and what was spiritual life like growing up. I grew up in Ottawa, Ontario, and I grew up in a Baha'i household, so my mother was Baha'i. She actually grew up in a Catholic home, uh, became agnostic when she was fairly young, and then when she was pregnant with me, decided to look for a belief system because she felt like teaching her child nothing was in itself a a belief system and it wasn't the one that she really prescribed to. So she became Baha'i because of me and then my brother. So I grew up in a Baha'i household, but I personally didn't really come to faith until a little bit older. Um, So I was 19 when I sort of started that journey independent of my home. Can you describe that journey for me? So the Baha'i faith has a real focus on service to your community and to the people around you. So I always did do a lot of service projects, organizing children's camps for the summer um, that might have different themes that had to do with who are we as people in this world and how can we pay attention to the beautiful qualities inside of us and shine them forth in the world around us. So I was always doing work like this, but I hadn't really done this sort of deepening and the and the real soul searching and looking to say, you know, I really believe that there is a God. And if I believe there is this God, do I believe in Baha'u'llah? Baha'u'llah is the manifestation of God or the prophet of God that Baha'is follow. And like, do I, I believe that Baha'u'llah is a representative of God in this world? Um, and if I believe that, am I ready to turn my life over to this faith? That sort of was a process that happened for me over several years. Maybe I started thinking more about it when I was 17, 18. I think it was, you know, those years when there's more around you to experiment with and you see a lot of people making life choices. And I remember thinking to myself, I can make a lot of different choices right now, but I'd like to make ones that I feel are sort of developing me and and building me up and not ones that are maybe distracting me from sort of growth, be that on, on a spiritual level, on an academic level. I'm speaking with Faye Dupra, theater artist and visual artist who produces original touring puppet shows for adults and family. Faye, how did you get into puppetry? What what inspired you to do puppetry? Puppetry to me was an exciting field because I've always done visual arts and I've always done theater. I did it on an amateur basis because it wasn't something that I gave myself permission to study in school in the beginning. In my mind, when you go to study in university, you do it for academics, for science, math, humanity, something like that. But I never felt like 
I could go to university or go to higher learning to study something that was arts-based. And then one day I was actually spending the day thinking about what I was going to do next. I had just finished studying in a program. It was a two-year diploma. And I was thinking, what can I do next? And I, I was cycling in rural Ontario, and suddenly I needed to use the bathroom. And I pulled into a heritage home, um, the Millican Tail. And the woman at the desk said, well, our bathrooms are downstairs. And while you're there, why don't you look at the puppet exhibition? So I went downstairs, and uh, there was a whole room full of puppets. And as I looked at them, and I had no idea what I was looking at. I was actually looking at puppets from some of the top puppeteers across Canada. But what I did know was that as I stood in this room, I had this epiphany and I just realized I want to be a puppeteer. So I went into this building to use the bathroom and I came out a puppeteer. (laughs) And I think what attracted me to it is that I felt that it sort of was this umbrella art form that gathered my interest in the visual arts, my interest in performance, and also my interest in, in education. And so you have been doing sort of the three of those things before this epiphany to be a puppeteer occurred? Yeah, I had been. And, you know, through sort of service projects that I'd been doing for years since I was maybe like 15 or 14, service projects where uh, organizing conferences for children or for youth, and also the summer job that I did every year since I was, I think, 15 or 16, was working at children's camps. And actually, pretty quickly, I was a coordinator of children's programming. And then I became a regional supervisor. My job was how do we infuse arts into programming? So creative ways of engaging people in arts. And that was then with children, youth, and also with adults with special needs. So puppetry just sort of felt like this medium that could capture all of that. At the time when I decided that I wanted to be a puppeteer, it was still considered a pretty obscure profession to choose. There wasn't really a clear path Once you made that decision, it wasn't like, well, why don't I choose from the 20 schools that I can study this at? I was lucky enough to find a mentor who taught me. And then that's what brought me cross-border from Canada to the States was at the time I decided I wanted to do a master's degree in puppetry. And the University of Connecticut has the only master's degree program at the time in the world. I don't know now if there are some, but at the time it was the only place. I'm speaking with Faye Dupra theater artist and visual artist who produces original touring puppet shows for adults and family audiences. Faye, you're the artistic director for Foreign Landscapes Productions. Can you tell us about this company and your role in it? When I was doing my degree at the University of Connecticut, I partnered with this woman named Andy Rubenstein. She is a puppeteer and a storyteller from St. Paulo in Brazil. We worked together, our thesis show, we created a thesis show, and it was a little unusual because um, most thesis shows have university funding and they happen within the confines of the program. But they accepted our project as long as we self-produced, which meant that we were working with an outside director, her name is Julie Goel, and she was in Portland, Maine. And it meant we had to create all of our networking as well. So find all our designers, find theaters to produce in. And it was when we were working together on this project that we formed this company, Foreign Landscapes Productions. And we created this show called By the Willow. And there was a gift. At first, it felt really challenging that we, we didn't have all the resources from the university. But it was a gift because it forced us to create a show that was mobile. It wasn't just living in one theater. 
Um, and that show ended up touring, has toured around the world and has won awards. And that's where Foreign Landscape started was the two of us. And when she went back to Brazil and I went back to Canada, we decided we'd keep the company alive and she would sort of be the South American branch and I'd be the North American branch. But pretty quickly we realized that wasn't a realistic goal. And she created a separate company and I kept that company name and creating more shows under the Foreign Landscapes banner. So you would refer to By the Willow as your first production in uh, Foreign Landscape Productions. Can you tell us more about that show? Yeah, By the Willow, we were looking for a show that captured both our hearts. And it was interesting because culturally we came from such different backgrounds. And what touched our hearts was very different. Like I fell in love with this story from Northern Canada uh, that I'd heard from this storyteller named Louise Prophet Leblanc. And I brought it to her. I said, oh, Louise Prophet Leblanc says we could use this very precious story. And it's about these two sisters who live in the Arctic and the tundra and, and the Northern Lights. And she just, just looked at me. You know, the Northern Lights was so far away from her experience living in this tropical, more tropical environment. And some of the stories she brought, the same thing, that we weren't really finding a connection. And then she found this story in a book of a French storyteller. And we both read and speak French. So she said, Faye, I think I found her story. I read it in French. And I said, oh, Andy, this is beautiful. And so the first thing we did together as a team, which was a really nice exercise, was we translated it from the French to English. We changed the names of the characters from the original telling. It's about this girl named Felicia. The day she's born, her father plants a willow branch. And then he dies. And she grows up with this really strong connection to the willow tree that grows from the branch. And later in life, when she marries, her husband is very challenged, like he's very threatened by this connection she has to this tree that he doesn't have access to. So in the story, it's very poetic. At night, it says that her spirit leaves and it dances with the tree. One night he wakes up and he sees that she, it looks like her body's dead and he shakes her and he shakes her and he says, and he's so afraid. And then he sees sort of the return of her spirit and that's when he says, what's happening? And you you can't do this. And then they have a child together. One night, again, her spirit is out sort of communing with her father, right, which is the tree. And it happens again. He said, that's enough. I've, I've had enough. And so her husband cuts down the tree. Mm. And of course, when he cuts the tree, he severs her life. But then it has this sort of beautiful poetic in the end. He ends up taking a branch from the willow and plants it. And then he hangs the basket of their baby. And they say that when the wind blows through the willow, the baby can hear the voice of his mother. So that was the story we were working with. It was really interesting because, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a Baha'i. And Andy, Andy Rubenstein, is from a Jewish background. And so is the director, is also from a Jewish background. To me, this story is it's a very spiritual one, right? It's about somebody's connection to something greater, right? Their, their spiritual connection to something greater. And it's a private space, right? So her husband has a hard time with the fact that she has this private space that he doesn't have access to. And we all have different choices of what we will do with that when, when we're, we're feeling challenged. But it was interesting because we all came from these different religious and cultural backgrounds to have dialogue about that. Like, we didn't all necessarily feel it was okay that she had this sort of private spiritual life, that her partner who should be close to her didn't have access to and it created a interesting space to talk and learn from each other is this targeted toward children by the willow 
No, it's not targeted towards children. We made a show for adults. It's appropriate for family audiences. There's some intense scenes. I mean, within the first, what, five minutes of the show, we kill the father. It's really, (laughs) we have a really great time doing it. We have this puppet that we treat very irreverently. We take him on this journey and it works story of this father going all around the world and and when he comes back that's when he um to his daughter so we have this whole adventure with him the baby's born he plants the branch and he dies and then sort of this really sort of visually beautiful scene where his spirit emerges from the puppet and it mounts this horse and the horse gallops through space right it gallops around it enters we have this gypsy cart that we have on stage it gallops into the cart the cart is illuminated and you see the shadow of him traveling sort of this vortex and then you see this a little shadow version of him galloping onto it's a moon it's actually a, a drum that's hanging on the on the side of the cart his little shadow uh, leaps behind the drum and we light it up and then we cross this lit up drum across the stage so it looks like the moon is traveling across the sky and then when it hits this uh, we have a, a willow tree on stage when it arrives at the willow tree the whole willow tree sort of illuminates with this sort of eerie beautiful light sort of wow. trying to show that progression of his spirit traveling so it's really beautiful and it's poetic and Definitely kids get it. We do, like I said, we get rid of the father. We, but then at the end, when the, the husband severs the tree and the and the wife dies, we actually go pretty hard on that scene. And this puppet version of the husband transforms into my partner, Andy. She plays the male in, the, in this story. She becomes the man and she picks up the dead body of the puppet so you see this human holding this sort of this draped over body of, of the little puppet female partner and then he wails and the cart that i just described the canopy on it gets pulled through the just the skeleton of the of the cart in the middle of it is andy wailing and the musician it's this amazing french musician uh young gal who does all the music live and he's a violinist he's playing the violin and and he's also wailing on a loop station so it's creating this sort of layered landscape of somebody just keening for the loss of their partner so that scene feels like it gets a little old for (laughs) for a young kid you could bring kids i don't see why you would want to keep kids from intense experiences you know it's it's part of life yeah, I agree. And you know what's interesting when we were doing so, Julie Gowell, the the director we work with, who has since passed, she really believed in showing your work to an audience as you go along, not waiting, not being precious about it, and then she, you know working on it for a year and then presenting to an audience at the end of a year. She said no every time we work with her. So we worked with her once a month. She would organize little showings at the end, which was mortifying because, you know, we would be wiggling around spoons and fabrics and trying to tell the story. And, and she said, no, it's okay. Bring an audience. Let's see. Let's see what people understand from what you're doing. And that's going to reflect back to you the truths, right? Like the truth and, or the interesting images are going to float to the surface and you're going to hear it from the ongoing feedback. As we approach the end of this process, so we're about 11 months in, at this point, we were so used to showing people work, and we we had lost that sort of the shyness of it. And we were showing the work, and it was a mixed audience, children and adults. And we did a question and answer period at the end. And somebody asked a question about the spirit that emerged from the Felicia, the girl, into the tree. And this little kid piped up, and he said, no, no, 
that's the spirit of the girl and she's going to be with her dad and i thought it was really neat it was the child in the audience that understood the metaphor of what we were doing right understood the visual language and understood the spiritual language right right that was some good learning for us because we did see it only as an adult show at first. And we, and we were so, when we saw that there were children in the audience, we said, oh no, this isn't <laughs> a show for children. And in the end, we, we learned like, actually it is a show. It's a show for everyone. A good show is a good show right. and should appeal to, to cross generations. So, right. like Pixar. So I'm speaking with Faye Dupra, theater artist and visual artist who produces original touring puppet shows for adults and family audiences, and we were just talking about her first production called By the Willow. So you now collaborate with Max Weigert. When did this collaboration begin? In 2000, and I believe it was 15, I was starting to envision a new show, and I knew I wanted to work with a local musician. I was hosting a devotional playgroup for children, So Max came over and I'd never met him before and a bunch of families came over that I didn't really know and I watched this thing happen where the children were in their parents' laps and and as he started singing and the song after song, the children who were mobile (laughs) left their parents and crawled or walked their way over to Max and by the time he was done, he had a little sort of gaggle of kids around his feet all looking up at him like, oh, <laughs> and the, the children that weren't mobile were in their parents' arms and the parents were just hugging them with so much love. And there was something in his songwriting because I asked him after, I said, you know, were those your songs? And the ma- majority of them were. There was something magical about him that captured the hearts of both the children and the parents. And I thought, you know what? I think I found the person I want to work with. I didn't know him beyond that one meeting. So we chatted a little. I, I was going to be doing another show that I have, which is called The Great Red Ball Rescue. I was supposed to be doing that as a fundraiser. I said, Max, why don't you come see the show, see what you think, and and if you find it at all interesting, let's work together. So he did come to the show, and he found it interesting. But he did say something to me. Before Max, I was really more of a nonverbal performer. It was always the music that was the narrative through line and uh, music more like a soundscapes or music, but not with language either. Like I did, if I did speak, it was very minimal, just enough to anchor people so they wouldn't lose the story. And Max is a singer songwriter. And he said, Faye, but I'm a singer songwriter. You seem to work with musicians that are like I, the last musician I worked with before him was Dana Cully, who's a sax player. He was in the band Morphine. I said, I don't know, Max. All I know is that I feel it. Like I intuitively feel like you're the person that I'd really like to work with. And I'm really happy that he said yes and and that I did have that intuitive feeling because we are now working on another project that's probably the most exciting work I've done. And, And I think Max is such a creative, talented, and generous person. So... So we have an audio clip of one of your productions. This is in collaboration with Max Weigert. So maybe you could tell us uh, what we're going to hear. It's an excerpt from Cozy Corner. Cozy Corner is a series of puppet shows for families. There's two main characters, Max, who's the human character, and Rory, who's the puppet character. Rory lives in Max's guitar case. 
So this is a scene where Rory has come out to talk with Max and Rory's feeling a little overwhelmed by a task that he has ahead of him. And this is, you're going to hear how Max responds to that. This one's broken. Oh no, this one's broken too. Rory, is that you? Yeah, it's me. Come on up. Hi, Max. Max, who are all these people? These are my friends. Everyone, this is my friend Rory. Rar for Rory. Not today. Not today? No. Today I'm just Rory. No Rar? Uh-uh. Why not, Rory? I'm cleaning my room. That's a good thing. No, I've been working all morning. That's okay. No, it's not. Why not? The mess is this big, and I'm only this big. Rory, you may only be this big on the outside, but on the inside, you are this big. Where? I don't mean your body, Rory. It doesn't matter if you are big or small, young or old, or if you walk, run, or roll to get around. Everyone can do amazing and wonderful things. Even me? Especially you, Rory. You do amazing things all the time. Not really. Oh, Rory. When the world feels big, but you feel small. When you can't pick yourself up after you fall. All you need to remember is that a seed's not just a seed. There's a special something we all have inside that's waiting there to grow. Cause when you feel like you can't do nothing, just remember you have something special inside. Didn't you know? But what's my special something? There's all kinds of things. Really? Sure. You didn't know your ABCs, and then you learned them. Yeah, I did! A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And you're a great sharer. I am? Mm-hmm. Even when your snack is super yummy, you share. I do! Rory, you're growing and changing every day. Because a seed's not just a seed, there's a special something we all have inside that's waiting there to grow. Cause when you feel like you can't do nothing, just remember you have something special inside. What do you think, Rory? Um, maybe I can give it another try. So, Faye, your voice is quite a unique voice. How, how did you come up <laughs> with that voice for Rory? Well, <laughs> you know, I'm trained as an actor, but more movement training and less vocal training. So I've always been a little shy with my voice. And as I said, like... I've been a nonverbal puppeteer for so many years. 
Hi, my name is Rory. I think in part, in part that voice came because the puppet builder, Penny Benson, she brought that puppet to me based on some character traits that I had expressed to her that I thought Rory should have. And then I think what happened is there was a relationship between Rory and myself. And this is just the way he's so eager and ready and he's young. And so <laughs> it just, that's what happened. And I think also it's another sort of intuitive voice for me because like I said, I don't feel like I have a huge repertoire vocally. So I had to sort of just go with what I could vocally do with that was going to support me rather than sort of make me feel tight, but to make me feel open. We first started exploring Cozy Corner in February of 2018. So it's been a long time since I've been playing with that voice. Seems like it's a, a wonderful production that could be really something great to see on TV for children's programming. Well, it's wonderful you should say that because <laughs> I'm a producer of theater, and so that's what I know how to do. I know how to raise money. I know how to pull together production teams, and I have you know a sense of how to sell it once I have a product. So it's the comfortable place for me in terms of how to create. But pretty quickly, I started getting the sense that Cozy Corner could be something more than just a stage production, especially since Cozy Corner was inspired by like late 60s, early 70s children's programming. I think what I was attracted to was the slower pace, the direct communication to the children. Yeah, there's something about programming from that era. And I just see my son and other children on YouTube and other formats like that, where it feels like everything's edited really quickly. And there's an energy that's like very like zoom, zoom, zoom. And I just thought, I'd really like to create something that has breath in it and something where you can feel the hand in it and something that speaks to, like Mr. Rogers. Did, I was thinking exactly directly. the same thing. <laughs> you know, yeah, speaks really directly to the nobility of these children and their capacities. In fact, Cozy Corner is eight. Right now it's eight episodes. So I co-write with a woman named Patty Tomarelli, who's a children's book writer. We have eight episodes that we've done to date. The first one is all about, like what you heard from that clip, it's all about our that we all have capacity, that we're all bigger inside than we think we are. And then the next episode, episode two, is about if we have these capacities, how do we nurture them? So it's all about nurturing. So Rory's learning how to plant a seed and that, you know, he plants a seed and goes, all done. And Max says, well, not quite. Well, what else? Well, we need to water the plant. Oh, okay, I can do that. And he waters the plant and he says, all done. And Max says, well, actually, now we need to put it where the sun can shine on it. So there's this understanding that nurturing takes time. It's a repetitive motion. So that's episode two. And then episode three is, well, why do we nurture all these capacities we have inside of us? It's so that we can be present in our community. So episode three is all about the seed they planted grows into this tiger lily, which is actually, there's a discrepancy there because tiger lilies come from bulbs. We have to figure that one out. <laughs> But the metaphor of the seed is too good, right? We talk yeah, about right. the metaphor, you know, like inside the seed with, you know, there's so much. But anyway, so episode three is it's time for Rory to bring his plant that he's germinated to the, the community garden. That's why everyone's planting these plants is that they're all going to be making this community garden together. And Rory's like, well, no, Tiger Lily is mine. You know, Tiger Lily's. <laughs> 
Rory's become connected to Tiger Lily and doesn't want to give Tiger Lily up to the community garden. And Max, with the help of the children in the audience, we really make sure that the children and the families have a voice in, in the story. So there's a lot of interplay. There's a lot of interactive songs, a lot of a place for them to be experts and give their ideas. So they help Rory understand that, well, sometimes being part of something more than yourself, like greater than yourself, can bring so much satisfaction and joy. And then episode four, Rory loses his lovey, Mr. Cuddles. I say he, but actually Rory, we've intentionally chosen the name Rory because Rory is, uh, we're trying to not create a gender, character that is male or female. Yeah, gender. Well, you know, because I feel like it's, I'm sensitive to it as I grew up in every every central character was a, a male and Rory's orange. <laughs> Rory could be anything. So I thought we really intentionally. So when I speak, I do defer to he because it is my training, my upbringing. But in the scripts, you'll never hear anything. It's always Rory's to refer to as Rory. But anyway, so in this episode, Mrs. Flutterby brings a letter to Rory and Max reads it to Rory. And it's saying that all the friends in Cozy Corner are looking for Mr. Cuddles. And Rory has this really lovely moment. He says, everyone's looking for Mr. Cuddles. And Max says, yeah, why? And, and then Rory looks out to the audience. In fact, we just did the show today. And it was a huge, like maybe, I don't know, we had two audiences that were fairly big. And Rory says, do you all love Mr. Cuddles too? And some of the kids say, yes. Some love you. And Max says that, well, we love you, Rory. And Rory says, me? And Max says, yeah. When you love somebody, that's what you do. You help. And it's this really lovely moment, right? So we build up our capacity so we can be present in our community. And when we are present in our community, our community is present for us. Yeah, so scratch the whole thing about TV. I mean, this is really, 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 <laughs> really a wonderful thing how you are engaging the children to really express love. It's really wonderful. Yeah, it's such a gift to work on this. We're in a nice core production team. So there's Max Weigert, who is the musical, the composer and musical director. And there's Jason Slavic, who is the director and dramaturg of the project. And I've worked with him since 2013. And Cozy Corner is the third project direct, actually fourth project of mine he's directed. And, you know, there's eight shows in Cozy Corner. So that, like that means he's directed 18, 13 shows. And then we work with Mia Bronco. I met her through VSA, Very Special Arts, which is through the Seven Hills Foundation. And she's an accessibility consultant to the project. So another thing we're really being attentive to is creating a space for families with children with autism or or families with and slash or families with children with sensory processing challenges can come to the theater because theaters are historically not spaces that are necessarily open a safe place for these children to come to because there's expectations, there's norms, theatrical norms. They're not stated out. We know them if we've been theater goers, but they're not explicitly stated. So it's hard to navigate them. So we really are working to make a space that people are welcome. So Mia, and then there's Patty, the the co-writer myself. And we're also working with another divisor performer named Becca. But why am I mentioning all this? So Episode one through four, we did in 2018. 
And I had funding in place for this. We were really lucky. We got something called a lab grant through the Boston Foundation. In the 2019, I didn't have the funding in place yet, but I just had this sense that there was something special about Cozy Corner and that I just needed to chase it. So we kept working and we did another four episodes. We did five through eight between January and June. And what was interesting is once we'd done those foundation episodes, we started tackling themes that might be a little harder to tackle. Like we talked about gratitude in episode five. Episode six is about friendship, but it's about creating a welcoming space. And that was happening at the time when when people were being detained at the border. And so that was a really interesting, like the fact that the political climate and here we were doing this, my director likes to joke, he calls it the socialist show that we're doing. I think it's just that it's a show that's talking about it's human humanist it's it's social like it's it's spiritual of course it's going to have a very warm feeling and then episode seven was about death or like loss Mm -hmm. and episode eight which uh, was about truthfulness and when we started tackling these more complicated virtues we as creators had to understand why we valued it so why do i value the virtue of gratitude or truthfulness. Like, why is truthfulness important to me? Because if I don't understand that as a creator and I don't understand it in a really deep way, well, then I can't distill it in a way to present it to children pre-K to grade two. And I definitely can't present it in a way that's going to speak to both the children and the adults in the room, which is one of our goals. Because we really feel if we're just engaging the children in the audience and not the adults in the audience, the moment they leave the theater the potential for the conversation and the growth sort of diminishes, right? But if we've captured the hearts of the parents and they're thinking about it, right? Truthfulness is not just a concept for children. We all, that is a, you know, a value that I think many of us have. Like I am more comfortable talking to somebody that I feel is truthful, right? That I can have that direct conversation with. So we, as creators, we would have these long dialogues and go, well, why? We can't just say, well, don't lie, right? Like, you know, as a team, we came to, well, truthfulness is important because it's the foundation of justice. Like, I can't have an open and loving relationship with you if I can't trust that there's authenticity between us, right? And then we would dissect all the reasons, like what blocks our capacity to be truthful, right? Feeling afraid, feeling threatened. So then as soon as we started understanding both why we value something and what might be an impediment to making space for that virtue to sort of rise to the top, then we started understanding what the construct of the play might look like. So I'm speaking with Faye Dupra, theater artist and visual artist who produces original touring puppet shows for adults and family audiences. And we were just talking about her series called Cozy Corner. Faye, where can people find your work? And see and be so, able to see your shows, you know, announcements for your shows and so on. So I have a website that is my name, fadeupra.com. I am right now working with somebody to create a whole new website for Cozy Corner specific. Because if you go on fadeupra.com, it still has the flavor of more the work I was doing before that's a lot more adult or it's sort of, you can find me as somebody you could engage as a designer or dramaturg or director. So I'm just in the process of creating a new website that will, I have it, it's just, it's still under construction, cozycornerseries.com. 
this is what I'm going to be feeding for the next several years. And where you can find music from Max from the show and little videos. So that's going to be launched in 2020. But if people reach out to me through my current website, fadeduper.com, I would be more than happy to include them in our newsletter so you can be informed about all the wonderful developments of this project. In our conversation, Faye mentioned the idea of branding Cozy Corner. I asked her what that meant. We're actually just creating the language to do a launch of Cozy Corner so that it can differentiate itself, so that it can have strong language about what it is. It's so funny because when I think of branding, I don't have a positive association yeah, with that like word. Nike or something, right? <laughs> exactly. But you know what's exciting? It's like trying to think more like an entrepreneur and less like an artist because I know how to think of like an artist. And I've been listening to Seth Godin. Godin, do you know him? No. Well, he's talking about ethical marketing. Uh. And he talks about marketing from a place of like people are lonely. People want to connect. People want to feel like positivity. And he says, this is what we have to, we need to see our product as a service. So how is your, whatever you're marketing, how does it serve your community? And that's the lens that you work through. So gone are the days when we manipulate and lie. And what we have to do is have authentic relationships to the people that we are marketing to and transparency and be seeing everything we do from a place of service. And this is like a mainstream marketing guru who was like the one of the head guys in Yahoo and like has worked for all of these big companies. And here he is sort of breaking the mold saying, this is how we have to think of ourselves. So we're looking at branding through that lens as well. It's like, how can we create the language so that we can invite people into Cozy Corner? Because I don't know, like when I think of Cozy Corner, I think of it as spiritual education of children. When I'm talking to the general pop population, I call it spiritual education of children. Mm -hmm. Is there a place in between the two? And that's what we're going to work with. Like, what is the language around this so that we are being authentic to who we are and we can create this way of inviting people into the journey of Cozy Corner? So I don't know. It's, I find it was super exciting. Faye, thank you so much for taking this time to share your work with us. And I look forward to hearing more great things about your work. Thank you so much for inviting me onto your program. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Faye Dupra, theater and visual artist who produces original touring puppet productions called Cozy Corner. You can hear this interview and find links to her work on the website abahaiperspective.com and on the YouTube channel A Baha'i Perspective. For information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you can go to the website baha'i.org or you can call the number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective.
thou lovest me not, my love can in no wise reach thee. Know this, O servant. Know this, O servant. Love me that I may love thee. If thou lovest me not, my love can in no wise reach thee. Know this, O servant, know this, O servant. Children, wake! Springtime is here. Nightingales calling, the loved ones near. Wake, children, wake! Rise with the sun. Nightingales calling, the sincere ones. Call, nightingale. Call, lone nightingale, we'll be with you till fall, children and I have heard your call. Look, children, look, high in the sky. Nightingales flying to be by your side. Look, children, look, what do you see? Nightingales flying for you and for me. Fly, nightingale, fly. Look, nightingale. Toward your sky, the children and I have learned how to fly. Listen, children, listen. A song from the tree, nightingale singing, sweet melodies. Listen, children, listen. What do you hear? Nightingales singing, glad tidings so clear. Sing, nightingale, sing. Low, nightingale, the songs that you bring, the children and I. Fred.
flesh and glad in my spirit. Purify my heart, illumine my powers. I lay all my affairs in the Thou art my guide and my refuge. I will no longer be sorrowful and grieved. I will be a happy and joyful being. I will no longer be full of anxiety, nor will I let trouble harass me. I will not dwell on the unpleasant things of life. I dedicate myself to Thee.
This song is about a girl named Mona. She was executed at the age of 16. And until the last moment, she stood strong in the face of oppression. Innocent people torn from their homes What is this prejudice? What is this hatred? Carried in sacks and beat to the bone How is this violence meant to be sacred? Yeah, we all gotta sacrifice But their souls carry on in the afterlife Their souls carry on in the afterlife Their souls carry on in the afterlife And among these Baha'is arose one girl Had one dream just to change the world They said, what could she do? Cause she's only 16 She could recognize truth that nobody had seen She could change the world one soul at a time Where is her freedom a gift divine? She said, reunion is life, separation is death That's what I I gotta say to my last breath, go ahead, take me, take me home, but don't take my family, take me alone, alright, go ahead, take us, take us all, I'm gonna kiss the rope, I'm gonna raise the call, she said, just take my soul away, can you free me from these chains, God, where have you She said freedom is the most brilliant word that exists in the whole world So why am I not free to exist in this community? I got dreams of liberty, but when I open up my eyes all I see is tyranny And I swear by the red in my veins that there is no love I can only see pain, I can only see the blood that'll drip like rain Only see the villains that are killing with no shame And the filling of the cemetery with all of my friends not willing to stop This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station streaming at www.valleyfreeradio.org.